0: We're going to start, uh, or we are starting, I should say, um, the book of Proverbs, our new series, and this is going to be about a six-week series, kind of getting us through the end of summer. So let me read um, the seven verses we're going to look at today, and then I'll pray for um, our time. Proverbs 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. the words of the wise, and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray. Father, I pray um, this morning that um, you would speak through your word this morning, that we would um, put ourselves under your word, that we would allow your word to change us, that we be open-minded today as we approach your word, and we trust that um, your spirit through the word can change our minds, can change our hearts, and can change the way we live when we leave this place today. So do that, I ask you. And on this 4th of July, I just want to say I'm thankful for um, this country we live in, and we want to acknowledge that all those blessings are unmerited blessings from you. We're thankful for that. But also as a citizen of this country, I know we have a long way to go in areas. And so I also pray that you would continue to, to, to work in our, in our country to make it a better country and a better place to live. And I ask that, um, the, the ho- that you would still give us the hope um, that this country can, can be what you want it to be. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So Proverbs. Let's let's define first what a proverb is, right? What is a proverb? This is just a general definition. So not necessarily a biblical proverb, but just what is a proverb? What does this mean? Well, proverb is a short saying of practical truth that's easy to remember. A short saying of practical truth that's easy to remember. There's a couple of important ideas there why proverbs are so uh, prevalent um, throughout the history, right? We see Proverbs in, um, in, in, in ancient literature. We see it in all religions, all um, countries, all areas of the world. Proverbs are very common in these different places. There's, just, there's a reason why Proverbs, Proverbs are so important across all, all this, the, these uh, diverse groups. And it's, it's practical truth. So it, there, there's other uh, sources of truth, but it's, this is practical truth. It's something that is easy for us to get our our minds around to have handles on, and it's easy to remember, right? So it's practical, and it's easy to remember. They're easy to recall. We can access them when we really need them in certain situations. This is what makes Proverbs unique from other um, literature groups. Now, I wanted to list a few just common Proverbs so we can all understand kind of where we're Um, headed here and kids I know there's some kids in here kids there's probably things that your mom and dad tell you um, that are kind of similar to proverbs right maybe rules of the house and so you all can can think through this as well what are the things your parents repeat to you a lot those things may be proverbs okay so here's some common ones you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink it proverb right next if it ain't broke don't fix it Um, including the English of that phrase. Um, Next, a little bit different here. Always remember you're unique just like everyone else. This is um, the next one. This one, I believe, is from, yeah, this is from an old baseball player and coach by the name of Yogi Berra. Had some good ones. Um, If you don't go to other men's funerals, they won't go to yours. (laughs) Give you a second. Think about that. Get that. The future... Ain't what it is, ain't what it used to be. It's a yogiism again. Um, these next two are from a website called despair.com. I find these funny because it's making fun of motivational posters and cards. And so this you get an insight into my humor here. The secret to success is knowing who to blame for your failures. Okay? It could be that the purpose of your life is only to serve as a warning to others. And lastly, but not least, fool me once, strike one. Fool me twice, strike three. From the sage and Rabbi Michael Scott. Um, one of my favorite lines. It's awesome. So, Proverbs define is a short saying of practical truth that's easy to remember. Now, when it comes to the biblical proverb, this, this word that proverb is taken from in Hebrew um, is taken from a verb that means to represent. Or to be like. So what a biblical proverb is, it's a little model of reality. It's a representation for our daily life. So it's taking a a, a giant truth that it takes, it takes a, our whole lives to understand and compresses it and compacts it to the point that we can understand it. It's a little model of reality. This, and, and going through this book is really, really important. And uh, an author that I really enjoy reading and listening to, a guy by the name of Mark Sayers, really um, captures the, the, the need for Proverbs well in his book called Reappearing Church. And in this book, he talks about how our culture and our world is, is shaping us in a negative way. It's, it's deforming us. It's actually creating dysfunction, in the areas of basic functioning and life skills, okay? So examples, areas that he he throws out, like being physically present in places, like showing up, like just showing up to stuff, maybe when we don't like it. Um, Enough emotional resilience to receive gentle instruction. Like he's getting it, maybe we're a little emotionally fragile these days. Um, Healthy communication skills are lacking in his mind. These are basic functioning skills that by the time we hit adulthood, we would expect to be fairly proficient at. But there's something about the last 10 to 20 years in his mind, he's also a, kind of a cultural commentator, that something's happened that's causing us to be deformed in these areas. And by the time we hit adulthood, we're not very good at them still. And he points out to really pastors like me, church leaders, that um, it's still good, obviously, to teach people how to read the Bible, teach people how to live in community, things that the church should be about. But he's also bringing it up that what good is it to teach people how to read the Bible, how to dig into the scriptures, if they don't have the time management skills to actually sit down and do it, right? Like, what what point is that if it's never going to happen because of time management, Or what's the point of trying to communicate how important biblical community is? Um, And and really nobody, it's hard for people even to just show up to be around other people. Like just showing up is a virtue that is not as present in our culture anymore. So his kind of take on it, for church leaders is we need to start talking about some of these basic functioning skills. And not, not pretending like that, oh, the, the studying the Bible and, and teaching people having to live in community is the most important. We actually need to bring some of these back into the community of faith and talk about them. And he uses this phrase called forming patterns in this book. And biblically speaking, the best patterns, forming patterns that in the scriptures are that of the wisdom literature. Similar to what we're going to look at in Proverbs. Here's a quote from him that I think really communicates why forming patterns are the key to helping us in these areas. Forming patterns align us with the reality of how humans in God's world work. Integrating into our lives patterns of functionality and wisdom which enable us to live flourishing lives. The biblical wisdom books, there it is, offer a vast resource of patterns and direction with which to construct helpful patterns. Forming patterns involve learning the importance of diligence, of matching our words and our actions, of integrating into our lives the values of delaying gratification for greater goals, and being responsible for the consequences of our actions. All these forming patterns occur as we interact with reality, as we enact daily godly and wise choices, which creates a pattern of formation in our lives, shaping us into healthy and well-functioning humans. So he said it much better than I could, which is why I quoted him, right? Like he's pointing out these, this is the way that, that forming patterns work, and this is why it's important for the church to kind of recover these. To bring these back closer to the center, to actually talk about things like Proverbs and wisdom literature and some of the basics. And some of the, you, you all who maybe have kids, some of that stuff he read is basically like basic parenting, right? Parenting, and part of the, the church is the household of God. Like we help parent one another. We help lead one another. We, help, we can help each other grow in these areas. So as we start this little series on Proverbs, I, just, I don't want us to dismiss this as, oh, Proverbs, and, and I, I'm guilty of this. Hey, Proverbs for a long time have been probably one of the books that I've thought least about in the scriptures, if I had to be honest, right? And, and sometimes I think, and I think a lot of people do as well, is that there's just these little pithy statements that um, are maybe good for very specific situations, but they're kind of different from the rest of the Bible, so maybe they're not as important. And hopefully by the end of the series, or maybe even after today, you're convinced otherwise, that these are important. As far as day-to-day living, glorifying God, honoring God. And even for those of you who are not followers of Jesus in here, just what does a life of flourishing look like? It's our contention that God made the world. He designed it. So he, he's kind of wired into creation. What does a life look like that is going to flourish? And this is what Proverbs lays out for us as human beings. Listen to Proverbs thirteen, fourteen: The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. That one, or so that one may turn away from the snares of death. That proverb right there—it's saying this is life or death. Life, the fountain of life. Like this, being about the proverbs and allowing the proverbs to shape us will bring us to the fountain of life. But the opposite of that—it will—it also keeps us from the snares of death. Life and death, says the proverbs about biblical wisdom so God has created this world a certain way. It works a certain way because he's the designer. And he gives us these proverbs to help us flourish within the bounds of the world he has designed and created. So here's our, here's our three-point outline. Here's where we're gonna go in this passage. Number one, how these proverbs came to be. because This is kind of the introduction to this series, to this whole book. How, how they came to be. Um, number two, um, the goals of proverbs. Like there's really two and they're laid out here in these verses, the goals of the whole book of Proverbs. And three, how do we get it? Like, how do we begin to get and receive and put ourselves in a place where we can actually receive um, the wisdom that the the Bible has to offer us? So let's look at verse one. Verse one says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Okay, so I don't want to skip over this. This is the first line of the letter. It's kind of an introduction line, but there's a lot going on here. Okay, so we see that the Proverbs come from a man named Solomon. Solomon was the son of David. He was a king. Um, and um, we'll talk about Solomon here in a second. But I also want to look at the son of David. Why would the scriptures put in the son of David there, king of Israel? Like, why would they do that? Why wouldn't they just say Solomon? And there's a reason, and especially if you see this in a lot of letters in the scriptures, that it's trying to tie this particular book up into the larger framework or narrative of the biblical story. So you see this, this, this passage connecting Solomon to David, and we know who's connected to David, Jesus. Jesus is in the line of David. David's the same as Solomon. Okay? So the Bible's making a point here that these, are, these aren't just biblical proverbs for Solomon and the people of Solomon's day. These are proverbs that extend throughout the biblical narrative and go all the way to the time of Jesus. Because Jesus is in the lineage of King David. And we'll see that, we'll connect that more here um, at the end here in a little bit. Now Solomon, Solomon was a bit of a renaissance man. He was interested in a lot of things. If you look at the writings that he wrote in the scriptures, he covers a lot of ground, a lot of different topics. He was wise not just in matters of of being a king and and, and what was closest to him. He kind of had interest all over the place. He was fascinated by everything. And in in the book of 1 Kings in the Old Testament, in chapter 3, Uh, God comes to him in a a dream and basically asks him, what do you want? If you could have one thing, Solomon, what would you ask for if I could grant that? Solomon says, "Um, I want wisdom to rule. Like, I want wisdom. I want wisdom to be able to rule and be a good king is what Solomon's saying. So out of everything, Solomon asks for wisdom. God grants it to him. And we get the benefit of this is we get books like Proverbs who are from Solid. Now, what is wisdom? Okay, we talked about what a proverb is. What is wisdom? It's a little bit different. Um, it's, it's, it's a skillfulness for living. It's like taking the things that we know and being able to apply them in our day-in and day-out lives. That's really what wisdom is. Wisdom is offered to everyone, right? Proverbs, there's no, there's no exclusivity in Proverbs. Um, anyone wants, that wants wisdom can have it if you pursue it. Listen to Proverbs 3 speaking about wisdom. And there's a, uh, the, the female pronoun here is used for wisdom. Um, it's, it's referred to as a her or a she, lady wisdom um, in the Proverbs. So when you see that pronoun, that's referring to this idea of wisdom. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who laid hold of her. Those who hold hold her fast are called blessed. blessed. This, is, this is the person who goes after wisdom. This is the person who pursues wisdom. Now, this is saying that these are kind of things that are offered to the person who is about biblical wisdom. Let's look at verse 2. These are, our, these are the goals for the rest of the book of Proverbs. Okay? It's the first chapter of the book. It lays out the goals of the book. Two of them in this verse. Number one, to know wisdom and instruction. That's number one. Number two, to understand words of insight. Okay, Those are the two goals. Now let's take those one, one at a time here. Number one, to know wisdom and instruction. This means to to really uh, develop deep character. It's a skillfulness in living in a moral way according to the scriptures. Living in such a way that you live a life that honors God. And there's some skill to that. There's some wisdom that comes in developing that kind of life, that kind of character. The second one is to understand words of insight. Similar but a little different. Um, This really means straight thinking. Mental discernment. You can think of the ability to make good decisions. As simple as that. Big decisions, small decisions, okay? The next two verses are going to explain that first goal. Look at verse three. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. So the first thing we see here is to receive instruction. So there's something that it's calling us to do. It's calling us to receive it seems like the, the picture I'm getting here when, when it's laying this out is there's, this, there's a teacher and they are instructing us. They are giving us wisdom and it's on us to receive that. It's on us to accept that and to apply that and see it as wisdom. Um, and so one of the things, that the, the prerequisites of getting biblical wisdom is humility. It's like really raising your hand and saying, I am not a wise person or I am not wise according to the scriptures. I have a long ways to go. I don't know everything. I don't know how the world works. And having that humility to be able to say, I need something outside of myself, a source of wisdom outside of me to really help me live the life that God's called me to live. There's some humility here to put yourself under a teacher to receive wisdom and instruction. Okay, Realizing that we haven't arrived. No human being will ever arrive in this earth. And so all of us in this room should be quick to raise our hand saying, yeah, we could use some biblical wisdom, at least in some area. Verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Okay, Prudence here is, is this idea of shrewdness, I would say, um, and to giving it to the simple or the, the, the immature. This is saying one of the reasons why we ask for wisdom is to pass it on to others especially those who are younger or or newer in the faith, right? So one of the reasons why we ask for wisdom is so we can be a person who guides people and passes wisdom on. And so the, the thing with wisdom and instruction, we develop this character. One of the primary ways is, again, being humble and by putting ourselves under a teacher, under a master, apprenticing under someone who actually has been there who can show us the way. Now, obviously, the source of wisdom is God's word, right? Proverbs, and in, in, in God's word is Proverbs. We believe that God's word is our primary source of wisdom. He's our primary teacher as followers of Jesus. But it also can apply just to our lives. Like, are we the type of people who are always looking to grow and are looking to learn and are looking to, 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 to be shaped more and more like Jesus? And are we taking the steps to do that by putting ourselves under good teaching? right? Good masters, good leadership, those types of things. Verse 5. Now, verse 5 is a little bit of a parenthesis. Um, you'll see it here. Listen, verse 5. Let, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. And so let the wise hear. So now he's talking to those who are wise, who who seem to be practicing this. So he's really it's this encouragement to hey those of you who are wise, who are already doing this, who are already seeking biblical wisdom, keep it up. Increase in learning. Continue to grow. Okay? And and the one who understands, the one who's already doing this, obtain guidance. Keep going. Keep doing this, you're doing good. This is kind of an encouragement um, to those who are already practicing some of these things. And it makes sense, right? A wise person is the one who realizes they need to be more wise, right? That that tends to work in that way. And so then we come to the second of the goals, okay? Remember, the the first goal was to know wisdom and instruction. Now, the second goal from verse two now is explained more in verse six. To understand words of insight, so um, straight thinking, mental discernment, good decision-making, right? Verse 6, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Now, when you think riddle here, don't think puzzle, don't think in that, in that way. Um, it, it's being able to read the situations that you come up to in life and being able to take your knowledge, the things you know, and apply that to whatever situation you're facing. Okay? Like, life is complicated. All of us face hundreds of decisions, even tiny decisions, in a given day. Most of those are really, really small. But then all of us face these, these really big decisions, these massive decisions that come up in our life, right? Whatever life stage you're in, you're facing probably some, uh, at least one major decision right now. Or there's one coming. So how do you go about making that decision? How do you not just rely completely on your own insight, your own understanding, but how do you go outside of yourself to find the wisdom you need to make the right decision? A good example of this is, is even in the Proverbs, verse, uh, chapter 26, verses 4 and 5. Listen to this uh, seeming contradiction here. We're going to talk more about this next week, so I'm not going to dig into what does this mean, but let's just listen to these two. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Do we answer the fool or do we not answer the fool, right? There's some, there's some again, this is, this is the life issue, right? These are some of these situations we come up, come up to. We don't know the right way. We don't know the answer. We don't know what to do. But here's the problem. It's when we make, we use other means to make decisions rather than biblical wisdom or wise counsel outside of ourselves. And I'm guilty of this, right? One of my favorite things to do um, is to do like the whole pros and cons thing. I just kind of go to pros and cons, you know, weigh them out. And the problem is, is I'm the one, my subjective self is coming up with this pros and cons list. So I can determine what's a pro, I can determine what's a con, and maybe those pros and cons aren't even right. So my scale is even off from the beginning. I can kind of tilt that scale however I want it to, depending on what I choose to put on that list. Um, so I become the ultimate authority and arbitrator for that decision. And that is not a good thing, especially on big decisions. And some of us kind of, kind of feel that, and then we try to find the people around us um, that will agree with us, that will confirm what we've already decided. So we'll, we'll kind of move out the people who will speak the right thing to us, and we bring in the people who will speak what we want to hear to confirm the direction we are already going. Right? So this, this is why it doesn't work for us to be the final um, authority and arbitrator of making decisions. We shouldn't be, especially as followers of Jesus. Because we have a God who's walked before us, who gives us wisdom in his word. And also we can go outside of ourselves to wise counsel. We surround ourselves with people who will actually tell us what we need to hear and not confirm what we want to hear about any situation or that we're in. Okay? So we need to understand words of insight. Okay? We need to have straight thinking, mental discernment. The two goals to know wisdom and instruction, second, to understand words of insight. Those are the two goals of the rest of the book of Proverbs. So where do we start? So we know the goals. Where do we start? This is where verse seven comes in. This is the thesis, this is the motto of the whole book of Proverbs. You've probably heard of this proverb. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Next week, we're going to talk more about the fool, kind of compare what wisdom and foolishness. Uh, so we're going to f- focus today in the first part of this verse. Um, the fear of the Lord. That word Lord there is Yahweh. This is the, the name for God as, as, the, cov- as the, the God of the covenantal people of, 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 of Israel, who we are a part of. Right, this, is, this is a relational um, title given to God. This, so these proverbs are given within the context of relationship. That includes us, if you're in Christ. So when we, when we hear that idea, of fear of the Lord, remember this is the context of a, of, a, of a relationship with a God who's made a covenant with us. And this idea of fear, um, it's, 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 it's more like awe. It's understanding who we are in relationship to God. It's not this... Uh, this this, this um, being scared that God's going to smite us if we do something wrong. It's not being in the, uh, curled up in the fetal position in the corner of the room, being afraid of what God's going to do to you. That's not what it's talking about here. It's having this reverence. It's having this awe. Realizing your place in the universe as we relate to the creator God. Some of those of you who are parents, think about your kids, especially ages like a birth to three or four. There there is some healthy reverence that happens at that age. And it's because, again, you're like God in your kid's eyes, especially in those ages. You're the source of food. You're the source of when they're they're sick. You're You're the source of everything for a child at that age. So there's this healthy reverence that they have for you at those ages. This is the kind of reverence that the scripture is talking about here. So here's what this is saying, though. This is saying that, and I think we all get this if we think about it, that you can you can be wise, I mean you can be and and be poor, right? You cannot be very IQ smart. You can have a really, really IQ and be really wise. You can be the smartest person in the world and be pretty foolish. You can be rich and have access to all sorts of educational opportunities and still be really foolish. Okay? Wisdom is not; does it, is not um, um, linear um, with um, or or coincide with intellect. Okay, they're separate from that. And this verse is saying that the the, the beginning, the foundation, when we're building this this building, the structure of wisdom, the foundation is fear of the Lord. Period. That's our foundation. This is why we can trust him. When there's some healthy reverence, when you, you when you tell your three year old to do something. They're, they're probably going to do it, maybe. I mean, I know you have, the, 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 there's some pushback there, but at the end of the day, they realize that you are an authority figure and they trust you. And so they do what you ask them to do. Um, and so this is part of, of our foundation. This is part of the beginning of wisdom. So don't think of, it starts with fear and then we move on to something else. Think of fear as the foundation for this structure of wisdom we're building. Listen to Psalm 130, talking about fear as it relates even to God's mercy. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. This is someone who's begging for forgiveness. Verse three If you, O Lord, should mark my iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Like if you judged according to my own junk, who would be able to stand in front of you, right? There's some humility there. Listen to verse four. But with you, there is forgiveness. It's good news, right? That you may be feared. So because of your mercy, because of your forgiveness, because of your graciousness, I fear you. I'm in awe of you. I revere you. This is the beginning of our wisdom because that's the posture we need to have coming before God to listen. When we read something in the Proverbs, we need to say, yes, that's from this God. That's from a God who I can trust. It's a God who I know wants what's best for me. So how we position ourselves before God is the key. This is how we become a people of wisdom. Here's our issue, though. We tend to overestimate our wisdom and the people around us who agree with us, like our tribe. We tend to overestimate how smart we are, our wisdom, and we tend to underestimate the wisdom of God. And those things need to be inverted. It's where the humility thing comes in, realizing who we are in relationship to God. We underestimate the wisdom that we can find in the scriptures. And we overestimate our ability to make good and wise decisions. I'm not talking about where you're going to eat for lunch or what you're going to eat for dinner. That's a decision, but that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm here talking about um, you parents. What kind of environment, how are you going to create an environment where your kids are going to grow up hearing and knowing about Jesus? And there's a series of decisions within that big decision of how you're going to do that. Those are the kinds of things we need to have humility about and go to God and other people. Like, think about this. The, the God who created the universe, um, everything in it, right? That's, that's, the, that's the source of this wisdom. The God who creates our human bodies, things like the eye and the brain that, that we can't even understand everything going on. The smartest scientists in the world still can't figure out how these things work, and yet God created them. We can't even, we can, we've only put someone on the moon. We can't even get someone on another planet. And yet God has created so much more than just our solar system. And yet we're going to be the ones to say our wisdom is better than God's wisdom. Like we need to trust that his wisdom is always better than our wisdom. But we have this problem. It's called sin. It's called our flesh. It's called pride. We're always prone to trust our own Um intellect and our own wisdom on what is right what is wrong what to do in any given situation are we trusting ourselves or are we going to trust god is our way really going to lead to flourishing or is god's way going to lead to flourishing again proverbs thirteen fourteen: the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death so we can trust God because of who he is. He's the creator. He's powerful. He's the author of everything. But we can also trust on God's wisdom because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Jesus is the revelation of God. He is God incarnate. He's the embodiment of wisdom. He's the, per, he's the person, the only person who's ever lived, who's perfectly made every wise choice in front of him in that given moment. We can trust God's wisdom because of Jesus. Um, he told others that, he's, that one wiser than Solomon is here. Like, drop people, like, just that would have freaked people out. Are you serious? Like, one wiser than Solomon, the writer of Proverbs? Are you serious? Jesus said, yes, I'm he. I am wiser than Solomon. We are able to do the things the Proverbs lays out before us because of the grace found in the gospel that we have received in Jesus. Listen to these things um, uh, spoken about Jesus. As a child, Jesus was filled with wisdom. and That's in Luke 2. Later crowds marveled at his wisdom, Matthew 13. Solomon was, was Israel's wisest king, yet um, of himself Jesus claimed one greater than Solomon is here. Paul, Paul also agrees. Jesus, he says Jesus is the power and wisdom of God. He says in him all wisdom is hidden. Jesus and wisdom are connected. So as we read this book, we should think about how the Proverbs are leading us forward to Jesus in a way. Yes, we're reading them in their context, where the, the, the people of the Old Testament would have been reading them as well, but we get to read them on the other side of Jesus. So we see the Proverbs through the lens of the gospel of Jesus. Now, one thing that I'm, I, I've thought before, and I'm sure some of you are thinking about, is, isn't Proverbs going to lead us into legalism? Isn't Proverbs going to lead us into salvation by works? And the answer is No. Like the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit working in us provide a foundation, provide some, 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 some barriers to us to be able to, to pour ourselves into this book and trust this book and live out what this book's calling us to do. Jesus has pro- promised us peace. He's promised us abundant life. He's promised us spiritual blessing and many, many more things. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to live a life where we will be the recipients of those things? How do we do that? Wisdom. Living a life of wisdom. Following Jesus in the way he's laid out before us. We never want to set the gospel aside or forget the gospel in this. It will always be our power. But biblical wisdom is what gives us the daily direction on how to live our lives where we can experience more of God, we can experience and understand a deeper sense of his grace and his mercy and his character. This is biblical wisdom. Now, the beginning point of our salvation is realizing that we can't save ourselves, but we can't save ourselves. And that our wisdom pales in the, in, in the comparison to the wisdom of God. So the question, the first question is, will would be humble enough to admit we need God? We need God. Maybe some of you in this room need to, need to be humble enough to admit you need a Savior. You need someone to come into your life and save you, to redeem you, because being your own Savior, being your own God is just not working. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus in this room, and you need to humble yourself in a certain area of your life and, and turn that over to God and his wisdom and not continue to hang on to that part of your life. When we look at the wisest person who ever lived, Jesus, Wisest person who ever lived. Um, On behalf of fools like myself and like you all in comparison to Jesus, um, became a fool in the world's eyes. Became a fool, Jesus, on those last days. Was, Was mocked, was scorned, was embarrassed, was shamed leading up to the cross and then he was put on a cross. A shameful, horrific, painful way to die. And then on the third day rose from the dead Now putting to shame sin, Satan, death, the wisdom of the world. And he's still alive. And he's still putting to shame those things. And if you're a follower of Christ in this room, we're united to him and we experience those same things. We experience the blessing that we have being united to him in his resurrection. And he did all of this so that we might be saved and have access to God. And have access to the wisdom of God. The last verse of this chapter, first one, says this. We need to think about Jesus when we read this verse. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. How many of us would love to say the words, I feel secure. I'm at ease. I feel peaceful right now. There's nothing concerning me. There's nothing I'm dreading. There's nothing I'm looking, looking at at the future, and it scares me. Now, it takes some time to get there, right? But that's what we all want. We all want to be able to say that, and Jesus is the way. Jesus is the foundation. He is the way we're able to be, to be put at ease and without dread of disaster. And in the day-to-day life, it's, it's following the wisdom that the Bible lays out for us. So here's some practical things that I think Proverbs forces us to do. Um, wants us to slow down. It forces us to slow down and think about how we're going to apply wisdom. We need s- to stop. We're terrible at that in our culture. Right? It's really hard to stop. It's really hard to be quiet. It's really hard to reflect. Anytime we reflect on ourselves, it's just shame, and we just heap all this junk upon us. It, it, we need to learn how to reflect and take an honest look at ourselves, right? Like Jesus loves us. There may be some areas we also need to to work on. This is counter to the culture we live in. And as we go through this book, we need to remember the rule and reign of Jesus, his kingdom. This is the way of his kingdom. This is the way things work. This is kind of sermon on the mount type stuff, which we went through a couple of years ago, if you'll remember. Here's a question for us. Are you the kind of person who believes in Jesus, comes to church, but you feel like you're wandering aimlessly when it comes to everyday life? And that describes you. Or maybe you consider yourself a Christian, but when you look around, your life doesn't look all that different from the people who you spend your time around who aren't Christians. Is that you? This book is for you. Maybe you make every, when you make everyday decisions, um, those decisions really aren't affected by your relationship with Jesus. They're not really affected by God's wisdom. This book is for you. The question for all of us is, will we live under the wisdom of the world? Will we put ourselves under and continue to be guided and led along by the wisdom of the world? Or will we live in, um, will we put ourselves under the wisdom of God? Where we see that highlighted in Jesus. See, I think becoming the people that God wants us to become is directly related to how we develop our character and the decisions we make. Like day after day, those little decisions we make, that is what forms us over the long period of time. Things, what we prioritize, our habits, how we spend our time, who we spend our time around. These are the kinds of things that Proverbs speak to, the practical things of everyday life. When you put all these things together over a long period of time, they change you. They change you if you, if, if you allow God's wisdom to shape you. Now, the world will also shape us, back to Mark Sayer's point at the beginning. Little things over a long period of time that the world puts upon us will change us over the long period of time. So which way are we gonna go down? This is even for followers of Jesus in here. Are we gonna be shaped more by the wisdom of the world or more shaped by the wisdom of God? In ath- it's athletics, you have this thing called um, muscle memory, right? And muscle memory is, is meaning that you do something alone and maybe at home or in practicing over and over and over and over. So you, when you get into the game, There's a crowd, there's distraction, there's another team trying, or another person trying to beat you. You go into this kind of mode, this automatic mode, and you do what's right without even thinking about it. This is what Proverbs and Wisdom literature shapes us to do. We become the kind of people that automatically have this virtue, have this way of living without even thinking about it. This happens over the long haul, for a long period of time. Kids in the room. Now, if, you, if you checked out, tune back in. Kids in the room. This is why when, when you, in school when you learn to write, you have to start by writing individual letters, right? You write one letter over and over and over. You probably get tired of it. It's really probably not good at first and becomes really good. You move on to the next letter. And then you put those letters together to words. And then you put those words together to make sentences and start writing. Now, when you're, when you're writing and you're old enough to write now, do you think about, I wonder how I make an A. I wonder how I make a B. No. Did you just do it. Why? You didn't just automatically learn how to write sentences. You started with writing letters. Those letters put into words. Those words are put into sentences. Same with us adults, right? We have to practice these things. We have to be intentional about these things. And over time, they turn us into someone, someone who looks more like Jesus. So really, the, the question I want to leave us with is, what kind of, per, what kind of people are we becoming? What kind, of people are you, what kind of person are you becoming? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you're secure in Christ, right? You're a follower of Jesus. You have that identity. That's true. But after that, what kind of person are you becoming now that you're a follower of Jesus? Are you looking more like him as time goes on? How's it happening? Are you being intentional? Are you surrounding yourself with people that will help you get there? So I, my prayer for us as we talk about being disciples who are growing, that we would be disciples who know, love, and follow Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. The everyday stuff of life. Everyday, waking up, the mundane. And that really following Jesus is what the Proverbs um, is really all about. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this book. Um, Like I said earlier, sometimes I've, I think, minimized this book and maybe not treated it with... um, the importance or the respect that it it deserves. But the older I get, the, the 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 more time that's in my past as I look back, I I begin to see that the, these 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 little decisions, the day after day stuff, it shapes me, and forms me into a certain kind of person. And this is where the proverbs are, uh, are 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 for. This is what their purpose is to show us what it looks like to live the life that honors God in the day in and day out things of life. So help us. As we get into this book, these things are not going to be easy. They're not going to be simple. They're going to be things that um, we may not feel like we're very good at. But I pray your grace and your mercy and our remembering of the gospel that we're secure in you, that we're safe with you, that you're you're, you're not going to cast us out because we're not good um, at a certain kind of direction that Proverbs is giving us. I pray we would, we would allow that acceptance to motivate us to be the kind of people that want to honor our Father and be the kind of people that want to be good witnesses for Christ and be the kind of people that have the fruit of the Spirit as markers in our life. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Help us become those kind of people, Lord. We love you.